especially in banking, it's still such a conservative, conservative industry. And people are very afraid of their employees going out there and building a personal brand and having a bad reflection on them. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 264 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Patty Asai to the show. Patty is the Senior Vice President at First Bank SBA Inc. where she leads marketing and business development activities for SBA 7A loan production, including origination, due diligence, and closing activities. And today... I'm looking forward to talking through how she is really transforming herself and building a a personal brand, establishing a brand, building a brand, growing a brand, expanding a personal brand through three different social media channels. And what I appreciate most about Patty is she is committed to living out one of the core banking on digital growth tenets. Help first, sell second. Because it is through these four simple words, she has grown an engaging digital community on LinkedIn, Instagram, and now TikTok, where she has amassed right around 1 million followers as of recording. And with the insight she shares today, you can do the same. As a financial brand leader, as a lender, as an advisor, as an associate. Welcome to the show, Patty. It is good to share time with you today. Thank you for having me. Love being here. Before we get into talking about building a personal brand as a banker using LinkedIn, TikTok, Insta, all the socials, what is good for you right now? Personally or professionally, it is your pick to get started on the show. What's really good for me right now is not only my banking career just going really well, but my media career is really taking off. I'm so happy to just have the opportunity to be on national television, on Good Morning America, and to be able to just share my knowledge and wisdom with people. I think that's a key insight to really start today's conversation because the way that you have framed this is not only am I focused on banking, but I also have this media side as well. And as I wrote about in Banking on Digital Growth, I was sharing perspective that financial brands, banks, credit unions, fintechs, when it comes to marketing and sales, really need to be thinking from a media first mindset, a content first mindset. And it's been good to watch your own growth. And I've been following for a while. People do business with people. That right. hasn't changed. It's just right. the way that we connect with people. That That's the big, the big transformation over the past two, three, four, five years. And so I want to I go back to get okay. you to this point. What inspired 
inspired you to go down this journey to build a personal brand, a media brand as a banker? Really what inspired me is helping people. Right before the pandemic, I was scheduled to speak at a few events for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. I was a big sister in the program and I just did a lot of work for them. And I come from an underserved background, so my passion has always been to give back. And when the pandemic hit, everything shut down. So I had all these great ideas in my head and I had no platform. I'm like, what am I gonna do with it now? Then I started to think through it. And I kid you not, 2.30 in the morning, I woke up and I was like, I'm going to make videos because, you know, young people, they're just glued to their phones. That's what they're doing is they're watching videos. So that's kind of how it started. But it all came out of my desire to just give back and help people. You know, once again, you're you're, you're speaking the language here because in banking on digital growth, a, a big tenet, a philosophy, if you will, four simple words as financial brands as bankers as leaders we have a the potential to help first and sell second and 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 i often talk that people you know in financial challenges are looking for two things they're looking for help yes but they're also looking for hope and hope must come before they're able to be open to receive help dive deeper into this because i think once again your background has mm-hmm. brought you to this point of perspective today that helps you see things maybe a little bit differently than other financial brand leaders because you mentioned that you came from an underserved background. Do you mind if we go into that story just a bit? Sure, of course, of course. So I came here as an immigrant when I was six years old. I didn't speak a word of English. So, um, and back then they didn't have ESL and, you know, so you were just thrown in into the classroom and you just have to survive. Yeah. I remember the first day of school when they were introducing me to the class, the only way I knew they were introducing me is because I heard my name, but I recall me looking at my shoes and my head being down, looking at my shoes all day until lunch, because I was just so intimidated and, you know, just being an immigrant, not speaking the language, I was also dyslexic with ADHD, which I didn't know about back then. That's really something that wasn't diagnosed back then. It was just like, she can't sit still or she talks too much. So it was that combination that was very, very hard for me to get out of and to succeed. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was in Iran, I was getting straight A's. and I was obviously in kindergarten and in first grade. But then when I came here, my grades weren't, I mean, they were average. I was a B student, you know, right. I, I was seen as like the really smart person. And it was just because of a combination of the language barrier, having to catch up ADHD, dyslexia, that was really hindering me in my learning abilities. And um, that's, that's why I understand what it's like to be in a situation to have not had mentorship because my parents were immigrants too. You know, they didn't know any better. They didn't know how the system here worked. So I really wanted to provide advice and mentorship for people that were like me that, you know, don't have parents to teach them the ins and outs of work, the ins and outs of finance that didn't have that and to be able to help them grow. And I think that that's where my passion comes from. You know, as you're going through that narrative, I think about my father-in-law who came over from Syria 
back mm-hmm. in the 1950s, similar perspective. He was 18 years old, came to live with family in wow. Louisiana, did not speak any English, and went through, uh, I think, three Arabic to English dictionaries within the first three <laughs> months of being here. And and so I, I, I got a lot of, of, of empathy through, through your perspective, and I think that has helped shape where you're at today, it's almost like our environment influences us so much that now it's like we're at a place that we can then go and give back and help elevate others. So there's this whole mindset here. But I think even even further, you, you brought up a, an interesting perspective about ADD, ADHD. I'm ADD myself. I mean, that, you know, growing up, I'm not gonna say I got into trouble, but talked a lot, was an okay student. But I also would just see things differently than how a lot of other people would see and then might argue a little bit too much or whatnot. But but now it's like, and this is recent from a, a post that I made on LinkedIn from a student in our Digital Growth University. They shared, I, w- I want to read this, just to speak in wide generalities, the personality type who ends up thriving a lot in banking isn't a person who is always very reflective or thinks in terms of customer experience. Um, it's a lot of left brain driven leaders who register in the C category of disc. Um, this trait serves them well in their roles much of the time, but can work against them when it comes to account holder empathy. And they go on to say, so the roadblock is how do we move the needle with these team members and do it when we're all busy and strapped for resources. And one of the comments that came back, uh, someone brought up the point about ADD, ADHD in banking or a lack of. So I think there's a lot of, for lack of a better word, brain chemistry that gets built up into the way that you're operating here. What's your take on the idea of empathy? Because, you know, looking at the content that you're creating, it is from a very empathetic lens. Oh, absolutely how might we be able to help teach others because empathy from all the research that we've done, it is a muscle. It can be taught. It can be trained. It can be strengthened. Yes. Where are the opportunities there from your perspective for other financial brand leaders? Uh, I think one thing that we really need to understand is that the most successful people in the world, um, you know, billionaires of the world, all of these have a, all of them have a very high emotional IQ, which really is empathy, yeah. right? And I think that a lot of people that have ADHD, we have we have really struggled, and we've had to work our butts off to get to where we are, just because we have a hindrance and we have a learning disability. And again, you know, for the longest time, people just thought I wasn't that smart, and um, it took really my high school. Uh, my high school teacher in English to turn that around for me. But up until then, you know, again, I, I felt like the odd person out. I felt like I couldn't learn. I felt like I wasn't smart. And all of that gathered together, I think builds a lot of empathy. And I think that that's the key. And I, and I, I really think that that is what makes you successful in anything that you do in business. You know, as you're talking about this perspective on ADD, ADHD, I think about a conversation that I recently heard with Peter Shankman and mm-hmm. Julia Waller. And the way that Peter Shankman framed this perspective of ADD, ADHD was he transformed it from this kind of this negative 
context into what he re- refers to as neurodiversity and being able to be very diverse with thinking to where a lot of times, you know, in challenging situations, in situations of crisis, you want to have someone with neurodiversity. Now that brings me back to the perspective that you shared. You woke up at 2.30 in the morning, COVID shuts everything down. How am I going to be able to help people? How am I going to be able to create value? That's where I think some of the greatest innovations come from times of crisis because Mm -hmm. we're able to just really just, just think, do, respond in a very positive manner. I mean, once again, you're we're having this conversation yeah. because of the pandemic, because I was launching a book in April of 2020. I was supposed to go out and go on a speaking tour. That all wow. shuts down. Start a podcast, right? And right. so, it, you know, it's, it's the response to a limitation. And I think in some situations, we might be, better served by creating limitations in our own life, almost as a forcing function to then be able to respond differently, which is where I want to guide the conversation now to the lens of like what you're doing, you know, with media, with content, with social media. And before we get too far down that path, I want to look at the industry at a macro level and, and, and get your take on this. What's a commonly held belief about bankers using LinkedIn, TikTok, social media, quote unquote, to communicate, to build personal brands, a common belief that that you would disagree with? Well, I think the, the common belief is that it's unprofessional, except when you're on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is an acceptable, right, medium to be on because it's a, it's a, it's a professional it's a professional platform, but any other platform, whether it's Instagram, whether um, it's TikTok, especially TikTok, yes. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are not on TikTok, especially in my age, right? So I think the misconception is that it's a it's an unprofessional platform, Instagram and TikTok, and that that's really what hinders people in their abilities. And let me tell you, for example, you know. I, I'll be very, very transparent and that, you know, my TikTok doesn't bring me a lot of business. And that wasn't the point of my TikTok, right? right? The point is to teach people things they didn't know to help them navigate life better. That was the point. Um, however, however, um, other TikTokers, for example, I, I interviewed this lawyer on a show that I have, and she was like, do you know how much money I get uh, just from my TikTok? Because she goes on and she tells people about divorce. So she gets all these clients just from being able to share information. Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com slash insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. You know, as you're going through that, I think it's an important point to pause on just a bit because there's this idea of if I do X, then I will immediately receive Y. But I'm going to take a 
maybe it's a bit of an of an ethereal approach here to where if I make, and I'm going to use banking terms, if I make a deposit for good out into the world, out into the okay. macrosphere, that's going to come back to me in some way, shape, form, or fashion. What's your take on that? Because once again, it's a bit of an ethereal thought, and and, and you got to consider like yeah. bankers, left brain driven leaders, very analytical. But I'm kind of going down this emotive, right brain, ethereal perspective, and I could yeah. be losing some listeners. So stay with <laughs> me on okay. stay with They're me. They're not on your this listeners. One. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so stay with me on this one because I do believe. And I've been reading a lot up on like authors from like the 1910s, 20s, 30s, like Florence Scovelshin, William Waddles, that are looking at more of an ethereal perspective that I think maybe we've lost over the last century. But they were authors from 100, 120 years ago that I think were speaking some maybe universal truths here. What's your take on that? Because you're not getting instant reward, but you're making positive deposits into the minds of other people. Sure. So, you know, I, I really believe in, and it's cliche, paying it forward. And I just think that if, if we think of it just scientifically, right, not even woo out there, let's think of it scientifically, is that energy, there's an exchange of energy. And that's just science. That's just scientific. Fact, we're energe- right? Yeah, we're energetic beings. We live on an we're energetic, energetic plane. Beings. Exactly. So when you put out good energy into the world, when you put out positive energy into the world, that that you're attracting more positive energy because like attracts like. I mean, this is just all physics. Yep. This isn't this is nothing else. Right. So um, if you're putting out good energy, you're going to get back good energy just just from physics alone. And if you think of it in anything that you do, you have to give first before you receive, whether it's a referral, anytime, you know, my, the people on my team were like, well, this person's not working with me. I'm like, well, how many referrals have you made to this person to have them refer back to you? So you have to give. And I think, unfortunately today, the perception is that, no, I'm just entitled to receive. That's why we have quiet quitting, for example, because people just think, well, I don't have to give anything. You guys just owe me. I I should receive. And I think that's a huge hindrance in society and a huge hindrance in us moving forward. Yes. You know, I want to give a shout out to Joe Polish. Um, He wrote a fantastic book called What's In It For Them. And one Mm. of the things that Joe speaks about frequently is life gives to the giver and takes from the taker. And it's that idea of helping first and selling second. Now, I think for context, you know, when it comes to quantification here on TikTok, you're right at about a million followers. You've got yep. 6.4 million likes as of recording. On LinkedIn, you've got 15,000 plus followers here. Let's let's go back cuz this came, you know, to you had an epiphany at 2.30 a.m. with this idea, I'm going to do video. I'm going to help other people. We can see movement here. We can see progress. What what have you learned along the way? Like if I could just, you know, move you back up to a high level, big lessons that you could share with others to help guide them forward on their own journeys of growth as a financial brand leader. Sure. Um, The number one thing that I've learned is that you have to do it for the right reasons. If you if you're not doing it for the right reasons, it's not going to work out because, for example, I put out my 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 TikTok channel and I said, I'm just going to provide content that I 
I feel is valuable to people. And if they like it, great. If they don't, they don't. It's not going to be clickbait. It's not going to be anything like that. It's I'm not going to be thirsty, for lack of better words. Right. So I, I went into it thinking, if it helps one person, then I've done my job. So when you go into doing anything with that attitude, you will succeed because you're coming from a place of passion. You're coming from a, a good place. You're coming from the right place. If you're worried about results, if I went into it thinking, oh my God, when am I going to get a million followers? I would have never gotten close to a million followers, right? If you go into a, a conversation with someone, anytime I have a conversation with a potential client, I'm not going into it thinking, what can I get out of this person is how can I serve this person? And even if, and even if that person, there's so many times I can't tell you that I refer people out to other bankers because I'm like, you know what? I can do this for you. I am not the best product. I will charge you an arm and a leg for what you need to do. You need to go elsewhere. And trust me, that person inevitably either comes back or gives my name to somebody else, but that's not why I do it. So um, you really have, one thing is you really have to focus on what your mission is rather than the results, the results will come. So I'm gonna dive even deeper into that. You, you're talking mission and in Banking on Digital Growth, uh, chapter two, right at the beginning of the book, I'm writing to, we need a sense of purpose. Purpose is what provides a path forward beyond the present moment or in banking on change my second book i write about having a cause far greater than the present moment um yes. and so it's this idea of being continuously future focused not focused on the end result like you said i wouldn't get to a million if that was like i was so hungry for so it's a, there's a yeah. bit of, there's a bit of detachment that has to happen here and i think you know we we attach so so much particularly from the analytical mind, like these numbers and these metrics and, you know, quarter by quarter, et cetera, that could be a, a potential hindrance and, 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 and roadblock for some financial brand leaders. And, and, and I want to come back to the point of time. Um, you know, I have been making recommendations now for probably close to five years for marketing teams, sales teams to collaborate, to build the personal brand of lenders, leaders, advisors, associates, because five years ago I was predicting, and really probably now, you know, 2020 to 2030, the personal brand really has the potential to be more influential than mm -hmm. the corporate brand. 100%. That's a scary proposition for some financial brand leaders because now we're talking control, lack of control, but it's almost like we got to let go to grow. Yeah. What's your take on that? The personal brand, the potential influence of the personal brand. And I think this comes back to why thinking through a media first mindset or a content first mindset is key because this is not taught in business school this is not taught necessarily in quote unquote banking school but once again like empathy this is a skill set that can be developed over time right well first of all you know you have to know what your brand is and what you're about you have to really define that mm. and i think the issue is is that especially in banking um, it's still such a conservative conservative industry and people are very afraid of you know their their employees going out there and building a personal brand and having a bad reflection on them. 
So I think that's where, you know, the caution comes from. However, they're really missing out because if the person understands the parameters in which they can work. So for example, I mean, you see my TikTok, I, I go all over the place, but I never bring in like customer information, right? I never talk about a specific customer by name. I never, so I, I stay within the rules that, that my company has provided as far as, you know, HR and social media, all, all those parameters, but you know, my company first bank, I'm telling you that they have been so amazing in my personal growth. Like, for example, I was, um, I was asked to go to the Forbes power women's conference in New York and they supported me in doing that. They, you know, they posted me on their social media. They were so supportive of me doing things yeah. that helped my personal growth. And for that, I am ultimately loyal, right? And that's what that's the big picture that most people don't see. You know, that that right there really leads into another macro trend that I'm predicting over this decade, 2020 to 2030. Because if I could look at like 2010 to 2020, that was the decade of CX or customer experience. Because of what we've experienced so far in 2020 to 2030, I'm saying that this is the year of, or the decade of EX, employee experience. And the more that we pour in to our team members to help them achieve what I define as exponential growth, and exponential growth is where one is, is they feel that they're growing personally, but also professionally at the same exact time. You're a right. testament to that with this little story that you've just shared here. When, when you look at coming back to time and time investment, I hear a lot of bankers saying, I'm just too busy to do this. I'm too busy to, to build a personal brand or to create content or to post on social media, regardless of if it's LinkedIn, TikTok, Insta, whatever. What would you say to those financial brand leaders who say, I don't have time. I think that's an excuse because time, I look at time from the point of an investment like dollars and cents. I invest time because time will ultimately have a payoff. It might not be today. It might, it might be a decade from now. But once again, I think if we, if, if we start playing a, a game in decades in our mind, yeah. a lot of good can happen. Yes. And I always, when, when people say I'm too busy to do something, I always say the power of and. So it's not, I'm going to do this or this, is I'm going to do this and this. And you have to find time in order to do your marketing and, and build a brand. Because right now you're, you're thinking, well, I'm too busy. What are you doing that's too busy? Mm. If, part of the, if part of the things that you're doing is too busy is, for example, cold calling, yeah. right? Calling. If you build a brand, you will have to cold call less and less. This is just in, in the beginning that it's going to be a little challenging for you. But if you really build a brand, you'll have people coming to you. So that time that you're spending co-calling, for example, you don't need to do that anymore. Yes. And you have to find the time to do it because, you know, it, it there's so many pieces that go into being exceptional. Mm. And I don't have time is not one of them. Yes. You, you talk about the idea of cold calling here, and I think that's a very practical comparison because, mm-hmm. for example, and, and, and let's just, you know, if, if you're okay, let's get transparent. 
How much time does all of this take you in reality? Um, very, very honestly, it takes me, it, it takes me a lot. Of, I probably work about 80 hours a week. Yep. Okay. But I do that because I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm not always going to be working 80 hours a week, right? Yep. This is a short term thing that's happening yes. and you, ha you have to, you can't be so short sighted. You have to be long sighted into, okay, I'm working 80 hours a week now, but guess what? This is going to pay off and I'm not always going to be working 80 hours a week. I think that right there. And I think that the idea of, of, of context is important here because you know, you're doing 80 hours, but you've achieved this level of growth, but right. let's say someone, uh, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, okay, fine. Can, can you invest 10 hours a week right. to this? And then it might be on your personal time, if you will. Right. But if it's tied back to your personal passion, your personal belief right. of empowering others to guide them beyond financial stress and anxiety in the present moment, well, that extra just 10 hours per week, what could you what could you also give up for that? Like right. what are the and other activities in your life that, and I'm just Netflix, right? I was just going to say that. Yes. Netflix. Like I stopped and, and this has been a journey of mine. Like I gave up TV and the news probably over a decade ago. Congratulations. Um, then it was, you know, consuming content through other channels and then you've got like youtube and you get and then but you're like but you're creating content on youtube well, I, I want to create i want to help others i don't want to just consume sure and it's the idea of we're all creators we all have the potential to create yes but i think where we get trapped is in consumption because when we're consuming and that's all we do is consume whether it be youtube or netflix or yeah. hulu Think about the hours that go into that. I, I, w I remember I was on a, I was flying back from Chicago yesterday for for an executive coaching program that I and I go up to Chicago once a quarter for executive coaching. And I was just it was, a, it, I, I was coming home with a full mind. I was coming home with a full heart, but I was just mentally spent from just yes. doing some critical thinking all day. I said, you know what, I'm going to watch a movie. I felt guilty for doing that because it's it's not my MO to just sit on right. a plane and watch. Like I, you know, I could be writing a, a an article, I could be writing a chapter in the book. There's so many other things that I could invest my time in, but I knew that that investment of time was not going to have the payoff because I was just that emotionally yes. spent. So I gave myself permission to watch a movie. And I'm glad that I did. It was a great film. It was Dune. Um, so a little ah. bit of science fiction. And I'd heard a really good friend of mine. He kept saying, you need to watch it. I don't have time. Once again, I don't have time to watch. See, there I go. I don't have time to watch this right. film because I'm so busy wanting to help other people. So I think that idea, like you said, context, 80 hours is you, but it doesn't have to be 80 hours for someone else. But what if it was yeah, just- Yeah, and no. Start with five. Yeah. You. An <laughs> extra hour to your day. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like going to the gym. It's like working out. Like if yes. I don't do, if I don't invest this 30 minutes or an hour in the gym, it's not going to yeah. hurt me today. It's not going to hurt me tomorrow, but 10 years from now, I'm probably going to be paying a price because Absolutely. of that. And I think what, I think the deeper narrative here, as I'm going back and forth with you, 
is we're having to play a game beyond the present moment, which is so hard. Why is that? Because we're so used to immediate gratification. What's in it for me right now, right this second? How is it affecting me right this second? And I think that is one of the biggest hindrances to success is that we get so lost in not getting what we want right now that we just give up and we don't want to start and we don't want to do it because it's not making us feel good right at this second. And we need to let go of that. I need to feel good right at this second mentality to understand that you have to pay the price for anything and it's not going to feel good and it's going to suck and you're going to hate it. But guess what? Down the line, you're going to love it. And when you achieve your goal, you're going to be that much happier. As you're talking about do the work, I, I, my wife and I, we have four kids that are 12, 10, 8, and 6. My two oldest are in the orchestra. They play the cello. And oh, wow. our, my oldest um, is, he's developing some talent. Um, nowhere going to say he's a protege because he's not. What he's done is he's put the work in. Mm-hmm. He's done the hard work to, to do the practice to where we've gotten into some arguments like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to practice today. Well, guess what? Someone else is practicing right now. Yep. You know, someone else is putting the time in and it's the idea of, and I'm writing about this in banking on change. When we wake up in the morning, one of the best questions or the best things that we can think about is did we have our morning tea? Now, you know, my wife, she drinks tea, I drink coffee, but tea is an acronym for time, energy, and attention. Where are we investing our time? Because time is an investment. I think the the thing that we need to ask ourselves, coming back to the point of time, and maybe we'll loop back to this, is what is the value of an hour today, particularly through the lens of content and media? So what is the value of an hour? So time is an investment. How are we spending our energy? Because energy, once it is spent, we do have to go back and recharge and reconnect with self, with with nature, etc. And then finally... What are we paying attention to? Because what we pay attention to will directly influence or impact our energy, which will then directly impact how we invest our time. So these are all interconnected areas that if we bring a sense of awareness to the self, we can create value over a much longer extended period of time, which is now back to my point of what's the value of an hour today. You invest an hour to produce content, video, Mm -hmm. et cetera, well, that goes on to create value beyond just one hour, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, you have to put in the time, like you were saying, you know, with your son, for example, my my fiance, he's a very successful guitar player. He's toured all over the, the world. He's toured with Stevie Wonder. To this day, he has to practice every day. And he told me that. He said, I remember when we first met, I was like, oh, let's go do this. Let's go. He's like, you know what? I have to tell you something. I have to touch the guitar at least a few hours every day. Yeah. So, and, he, and he doesn't have to, right? I mean, you would think that this is a guy who is already successful and is Got already- Top of the game. Yeah. yeah, top of the game, right? Practices every single day. So, you know, that two hours that he says, I, I put in now, he goes, I need to stay ahead of the game. He's like, if I'm not putting in these two hours, 
everybody else is going to surpass me because everything is always evolving. Even when you think you're the best at what you're doing, that whatever it is, it's always evolving higher, higher and higher. And you got to keep up. Mm. And if you don't put in the time, you're not going to keep up and you're going to be behind the eight ball. Yeah. You know, as, as, as we begin to wrap up here and Patty, this has been such a fantastic conversation. We've gone down some paths that I've never gone down before on the podcast. <laughs> Someone's listening and they're curious. They, they, once again, they, they're thinking about TikTok and LinkedIn. They're a leader. They're a lender. They're an advisor. They're an associate. Maybe they've even dabbled, um, but then they got distracted or, they didn't see the quote unquote results that they were hoping to. What's your recommendation for someone looking to get started down a path, down a journey like this? Where, how to begin? The first thing you need to think through is how are you going to add value? If you're not adding value in some way, shape or form, you're not going, you're, you're not going to get the following that you want. You're not going to get the success. Because if you're just, you know, putting your face out there, that's it. That's going to get old after a while. So figure out how you're going to add value. So for example, on LinkedIn, how I add, add value is I also post videos on LinkedIn on SBA financing and the nuances that people don't know. And I can't tell you how, how often I get replies like, oh my gosh, thank you for that. Because I didn't know that. Yeah. So you have to add value and then you have to figure out, okay, if I'm, if I'm adding value, how am I going to approach providing this content, whether it's a marketing flyer, whether it's a video, however you feel comfortable, not everyone feels comfortable getting, getting in front of the camera. Right. I right. mean, people don't do that. So how am I going to do that? The best suits me. And then you just got to jump and you're going to make mistakes. And it's not, you know, my first, first videos that I put them on YouTube, uh, it was like five to seven minute videos. I was getting 20 views on a good day, on a good day. And I realized, oh my God, YouTube is not the medium for me because people don't have the attention span. So that's what led me to TikTok, which is only a minute long. So you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have to tweak it. You're going to have to adjust it. You're going to have to analyze how it's not going well and you know, just kind of fix it. It's not going to be easy, but eventually you will get it and you just have to do it. Stop being scared of it. You know, it, I think fear holds so oh. many people back. I wrote about this. Yes. yes. And, and I wrote yeah. about this in Banking on Digital Growth. I said there are four, four fears that hold financial brand leaders back from leveling up and maximizing their future digital growth potential. Number one, it's fear of the unknown. I think, mm -hmm. I think that's the greatest fear of us all. Yeah. But how do you overcome the fear of the unknown? Education you know, learning, because right. that's where you gain clarity. So fear of the unknown. Number two, it's fear of change. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and, and, and that's where, you know, I ask financial brand leaders, when it comes to change, I see different through education. Therefore, I'm going to think different. I think different. Therefore, I'm going to what? And almost 99% respond, I'm going to do different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to act different. I'm like, no, you got to bridge the gap between the thought and the action. And that comes down to feeling and emotion. You got to feel different. The desire, the feeling, the emotion to go out and do something different has to be far greater than the desire to remain the same. So that's fear right. of change. Then there's fear of failure. And I think right there is if we can look uh -huh. at life, just life in general, as the greatest yeah. classroom that we get to experience, 
we can transform any failure, quote unquote, into lessons that we take forward into the future to then take those lessons and apply them to help others, which is, I think, an underlying narrative of just your own personal story here. And then finally, it's fear of success. Like, oh my goodness, like if I do this, what happens if I am successful? And then there's some type of a block right. that we need to work through on that. So yes. those are the four fears right there. You know, thinking about like where to get started, those are great practical ideas. The number one roadblock, the number one danger that you would recommend the dear listener to be aware of when going down a path like this, what's that one danger? You're going to have haters. You're going to have haters. You're going to have people that are going to put you down. You're going to have people that are going to say nasty things to you. And that is just part of the game. And to, to this day, even on LinkedIn, I've posted videos on LinkedIn where I, I mean, I, I can't believe I get trolled on LinkedIn for crying out loud. <laughs> right. So there's going to be haters, there's going to be naysayers, there are going to be people that aren't going to like the content that you put out and are going to criticize it. That's you, just part of the game. Do you mind if I add to that thought right there? Sure. About, about, you know, you're going to have haters. If I look out at all of the work that I've done over the last two decades in this vertical, I think the number one hater that we all must be aware of is the person in the mirror. Oh, sure. That right there... Sure. That's our number one hater more times than not, because in reality, when we're out into the social digital world and someone leaves a nasty negative comment, we don't know who they are. But when right. we look in the mirror and those eyes look back at us, we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and lean into that because it's in those love, like it's that doubt, it's that fear in our mind um, sure. and, and, and coming back to Dune, you know, the movie that there was a great scene in Dune that was talking about, you know, fear basically destroys the mind. And I think, sure. I think for me, when it comes to fear, it's just false evidence appearing real. It's, ah, it's a story like that. that we tell ourselves. Fear is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, fear, fear is, is fear is, it is, fear is bullshit. And, and, and I think if we have that sense of awareness and we overcome the number one hater, you know, which is often ourselves that hold us back from yeah. going out and building these personal brands and building, you know, media and doing the work that you're doing, that right there is the big roadblock. Once we overcome that, then it's everyone else. And that really doesn't matter right there. So yes. this is really good practical advice, knowledge, insight. Thank you, Patty, for sharing your wisdom, your journey, your experience of building a personal brand as a banker through social media, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, et cetera, to help our dear listeners. What is the best way for someone to continue the conversation, to connect with you that we've started here today? Sure. You can connect with me on LinkedIn under my name, Patty Asai, or on Instagram and TikTok. Um, my handle is at Duchess of Decorum. So, um, yeah. and, and you have a website too. Yes, pattyasai.com. I have a website and it's going to be revamped. So I'm going to have actually courses that will help people on the new website. That should be up in a couple of weeks. Connect with Patty, learn with Patty, grow with Patty. Patty, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.